0: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap.
1: Hello, I'm Jenna Edge, and this is Skylines, the Cinemetric Podcast. It's, it's local elections pretty soon. We're, we're within a month now. So obviously, um, I'm sure the local election lights will be going up soon. Everyone will be getting the local election trees out and we'll be leaving a carrot and a mince pie and a glass of sherry out to see if John Curtis is to come around. Um, but it'll actually
2: only be a third of a mince pie in many places.
1: Okay, well, you kind of support my little introduction there, but yeah, Stephen Bloody Bush is with me again. He's going to tell me what's what's interesting about these local elections and what we should be paying attention to. So, so Stephen Bush, what's what's good in the world of of local elections at the moment? Well,
2: so the the first thing to note is, in terms of my uh, my annoying heckling there, is that a lot of the um, the majority of the seat of the councils which are up are electing via the so called thirds sm- model, which is where what you- could that possibly mean? Which is where you elect a third of the seats um you have elections every every year every, well three years out of every four and then you have an off year um now this is this is the only possible answer to the question why is birmingham city council like the u.s senate i mean birmingham is all up this year because they've gotten cha- bound, they, they they, changed they, the system but it was the only one i could think also
1: the senate is every two years. it really doesn't work as a as a joke if i'm honest
2: it was yeah it was pretty bad the problem i mean there are lots of problems i think with the third system um, best illustrated in terms of so i'm I'm going to basically talk talk us through hopefully all of the cities I see as interesting and ones to watch in in the coming local elections. Oxford sums up what is wrong with the thirds system. Labour could lose the council elections on the day. I mean they 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 won't, but let's just run with it for a second. They could lose all of the seats that were up that they were defending. Right? It would be it could be the clear and obvious will of the people of Oxford not to be run by the Labour Party. But Labour would still run the council because their majority is big enough at the moment Then they could lose all of the seats they are currently defending and they would still be able to form. I think they would be in no overall control, but they would still be the only plausible combination to form the local council. This was always um, Tony
1: Benn's defence of first past the post, wasn't it? It's it's about the ability to throw a government out rather than... Which is talking about PR as opposed to...
2: Well, Tony Benn, I think, was certainly right at the time, although I wouldn't have agreed with him about electoral reform anyway for other reasons. But one of the kind of interesting questions is whether or not First Past Post is still achieving that function very well now. But when you have the Thirds model, you basically fundamentally break the crucial advantage such as it is for first past the post
1: so as we as we mentioned Birmingham has moved away from that hasn't it are there other councils that have done that or was that a Birmingham specific innovation
2: um, I think it's a Birmingham specific i I realize I don't know if they're are they not all up because they've got new boundaries as with Manchester where again they're all up but that's that might be new boundaries that might
1: be a reason I, um, I just remember I was up in Birmingham a couple of years ago and they were talking about having an election referred to the councillors. So I was struck by the fact that they're all up.
2: So Birmingham uh, had 120 council seats, because obviously, as you'll know, it is a comically huge local authority. It's over a million people. It's the yeah. largest
1: in Britain, I think.
2: And so, but they are going to have slightly fewer councils. They're going to have 99. So you have this weird situation where it's actually quite plausible that Labour could lose, in inverted commas, councillors, but have a much stronger uh, parliamentary position. Manchester has also got boundary changes and is all up as a result. Now, the, the, the striking thing, I think, to watch in... in in all of kind of the great cities of England and and the London boroughs, are two things. One, do the Conservatives just get absolutely blown away? Uh, that was very much the pattern in the general election in 2017, was uh, the cities becoming increasingly uh, hospitable ca- uh, territory for parties of the left and centre and increasingly hostile to parties of the right. Now, the fun thing about the 2017 general election is that not only do we not know how unusual it was we probably won't know how unusual it was for you know several more elections probably by 2027 we'll be able to go like we'll be able to have some interim conclusions about the weirdness of the 2017 election or not. And, and
1: one way in which the 2017 general election was weird i think i'm right in saying was that there is this pattern you've written about many times that generally speaking uh, local election results are sort of a flaw for the governing party this is as bad as they're going to do because if if this, this is the public giving them a kicking so so they're probably going to do better than that when you come to the general election and i think i'm right in saying that last year's locals and then general totally blew that pattern out of the water yes right?
2: uh at no other election um since the 74 reorganization which is the furthest back you have me mean, meaningful real The governing party has always outperformed its local election uh, performance and the opposition party always underperforms its local um, performance, which, I mean, if if you think about it, makes sense. Um, Now, there are one of the other interesting known unknowns is there are two sort of at this point perfectly viable theses. Thesis one is that local elections have ceased to be predictive because the way that the Labour coalition has changed means that you have a larger number of voters, young graduates, people who move around a lot, who are going to vote in local elections. So uh, as with the US midterms becoming quite, uh, yeah, being harder for the Democrats to win than the Republicans, all other things being equal, even before you throw in American-specific issues like gerrymandering, that will similarly start to be an issue in the United Kingdom. Right, That is theory one.
1: So can I just check you didn't misspeak That you said harder for the Democrats to win, is that?
2: Yeah. So the midterms are midterm elections in the U.S. are harder for the Democrats to win really? in general. because
1: yes, I just... thought that the Democrats' coalition would be those kind of you know young graduates again. Is that not?
2: Does that not stack up as a comparison? They are young graduates, but they similarly the problem with young graduates is they don't vote. Ah, okay, um, All right. And when they do, they are uh, maddeningly clustered together, which is not helpful under first past the post. So theory one, if, if theory one is true, I expect we will we will see it fairly quickly in these local elections, which is basically that Labour will continue to underperform in local elections rather than overperform, as we would expect. Um, theory two, which I think is more likely, is that actually the local elections in 2017 were predictive for where the two parties were in May of 2017, and it is a measure of the impressive turnaround that Labour managed and the uh, impressive unimpressive? What, what's the imp- It's also turnabout? a turn around in its way, yeah. is it?
1: It's just a turn around in the other direction.
2: Yeah, the, the, the turn around that Theresa May uh, managed uh, also in June. And again, we will start to see if that is the case uh, in these local elections. Now, there are kind of two sort of parallel things to watch in terms of the Labour-Tory battle. The first is whether or not Labour can start to do better in the types of seats that prevented it forming some form of government last time so the first are kind of classic suburban areas now there are some exceptions like leeds North northwest which now look like very very safe uh, labor territory and we would expect labor to gain more seats in leeds uh, but yeah i mean that that was a either a 92 or a 1997 gain used to be a traditional marginal very much, yeah. You know, Sefton in Merseyside is another interesting example of places where, you know Labour went into the 2010 election very worried it was going to lose Sefton. They were very worried in 2015 they wouldn't hold it, and now again it's somewhere where they kind of win by a Soviet margin.
1: It's Birmingham Edgebaston is another of these, isn't it? Where it's like it used to be a sort of key marginal, but it's just like solid Labour territory now. Yeah.
2: So the the interesting question, right, is as it happens, all of those places have got council elections up now. If we start to see kind of similar um, kind of just smashing of the opposition parties, uh, so the opposition to Labour, as it were, in those constituencies, that I think suggests that 2017 is a more permanent realignment of the party's coalitions and not a product of many of the things we know were odd about 2017, right? It was a snap election, voters tend to behave oddly in those. It was after a referendum, voters tend to behave oddly after those. Uh, and, a th- oh, and not... and neither of the two leaders were that well known by the public at large i know it's one of those things which does make you kind of at least it makes my mind go but actually most people did not uh, have a very strong opinion of who theresa may or jeremy corbyn were like they had very vague impressions of both of them so those are the reasons why 2017 might be weird however there are long-running structural reasons why 2017 election might be not weird and we will start to see that in those places. The other interesting thing to watch are your Tamworths, Plymouths, Swindons. Uh, What all of those places have in common is they are all places where Labour almost but not quite or only partially broke through and if they had wholly broken through they would have been able to form you know a, a minority government albeit quite a weak one. Now the the Tory source for hope is that the reason why Labour does worse in a lot of suburbs and exurbs, like Morley and Outwood, uh, Ed Ball's old seat, which they have yet to win back, is because fundamentally there is a different type of voter in those areas who, for cultural or political reasons, just will not vote for Labour under Jeremy Corbyn. And that no matter how bad things get, those seats are other Conservative pressure valve. They're this blue firewall which the Labour Party in its current incarnation cannot get past. So so let's let's break this down a bit. What does a, I,
1: I, you've written blogs under these very titles, so just give us the headlines of these. But what does a good night for the Tories look
2: like? A good night for the Tories is one where they uh, lose lots of seats because they're the government, but where they maintain a token presence in the places they hold. So in Hastings, for example, uh, it is plausible. I think of the. I'm going to get this number wrong, but of the. They're slightly under, they're in single digits already. They are defending something like six of the nine council seats they hold. So, obviously, a disaster would be for them to lose all six. If they lost three, then they've still got a token presence because councillors are so important to running your activist base, particularly if you're the Conservative Party where your activist base is, in any case, shrinking. And for Labour to underperform its vote share. In places like Hillingdon, Tamworth, uh, Swindon, because that would indicate that this idea that there is a line, uh, basically, a, you can draw a line between types of constituencies, and Labour just cannot do well in the second type, that would give some credence to what at the moment is basically just a Tory hope, like me believing that maybe if I, you know, look at myself very hard in the mirror, I'll start to lose weight.
1: That one doesn't work. I've been, I've been trying that. What does? Okay, so what's a, what's a what's a good night for Labour?
2: Well, in some ways, it would be the opposite, right? They would, they would win the, the local elections in terms of what was up um, in Swindon, Tamworth, Plymouth. I mean, actually, one of the things that the Conservative Party has done well is setting the expectations for this uh, local election, right? If Labour win Wandsworth and Westminster, that has, I would say, that raises existential questions about the Conservative Party's ability to win good majorities in Parliament. So this is the thing where there's been a lot of talk about how the Tories could basically be wiped out in, in,
1: not even just inner London, but it's kind of like, except for the sort of furthest eastern suburbs, it's basically all of London, right? Well, in the bits of London in which people believe themselves to live in London. So like there's the sort a of very eastern, like Havering, Bexley, Bromley... Those are all technically London boroughs, but the people in them would generally consider themselves to be living in Essex or Kent, so there's a big cultural difference there. They're very white areas as well, it's related to that. But like basically, everywhere west of those three boroughs, the Tories could be in serious trouble, right?
2: Yeah, and so the Tories have done a very good job of setting expectations, so a lot of people... I mean, take, say, Westminster, right? The boundaries there are incredibly unfavourable to to Labour. The population distribution is very uneven. It has never been uh, Labour held in its history. It would, by any stretch of the imagination, be a remarkable night for Labour if they won it. It is a testament to the Conservative spin operation and they have somehow managed to downgrade that to about par and a testament to some of the failings of Labour's uh, spin operation and they have managed to downgrade that to about par. However people should ignore that and focus on the fact that At that point, right, you are sort of going, okay. so has the Conservative Party in its modern incarnation decided it will always be the second party in London? will have no representation in Manchester, no representation in Liverpool, no representation in Oxford, no representation in Bath, no representation in Bristol. Because if that is true, and there are many reasons to suppose it is, there aren't enough seats left. Yeah, there there aren't enough seats left not to, because this thing, people forget because of how badly she ran the snap election, that her calculation in calling it was 100% correct. They, they could not govern effectively with a majority of that size. And if all of those cities are going, yeah, we don't want any Tories here, Kay, thanks, well, then the best-case scenario for the Tory party is a small, uh, not-particularly-effective majority of the kind it, it got last time. So, yeah, good for Labour would be showing that they can win beyond the places they did very well in in, in June, and it would be great if they could then add a Wandsworth or a Westminster to, to that list. But actually, I would say that so weirdly, I think what will probably happen is that I I reckon Labour will win Wandsworth and Westminster, and everyone really? will... Westminster. Yeah, there are twenty thousand EU citizens in Westminster. Oh, of course, they get votes in the local. Yeah, they? and the thing I really noticed so one, one of
1: our colleagues has uh, a very close family member standing for the Labour Party in Westminster oh. as well. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, Jasper's mum is standing. Oh, I should I should really know her name, but I can't remember it, even though I have I have in fact met her. But yes, she's so so you know. We'll, as if you didn't know, the New
2: Statesman is very much coming down on, on the Labour side of this one. So, I, yeah, one of the things I always try and do when I visit a council section is I do some door knocking on my own, just because I think it's the most effective way to get a, at least a sense of what the parties are going to be experiencing. Um, and the thing I was really struck by is that while people who have EU citizenship are not thrilled, to put it mildly, with some aspects of Labour's Brexit position. They understand that where they live, the way they can hurt the Conservative government, which they really want to do. I mean, in some cases, people really want to slam the door before they leave, as it were. They know that that is the the lever to pull. I think Barnet is actually probably the, the most difficult of the three boroughs that surprises road. me because
1: i would have guessed it was the easiest because it does have sort of quite labor areas in the south
2: although they are also quite jewish areas is that a factor here? well this is the thing is that so barnet is on paper the easiest right they only have to gain two it is also yeah, they, they, they have you know solid labor areas where you would expect them to win basically no matter what they have a better base as well but the ongoing um problems in the labor party with anti-Semitism, Uh, are continuing to, I mean, really those are the only places it matters. I mean, one of the things that I find kind of depressingly laughable about this idea that this row has solely been manufactured to hurt Labour in the local elections is, I mean, anyone who looks at the history of of Gentile voting behaviour in in the United Kingdom, and indeed anywhere else in the world, uh, waiting for uh, Gentiles to vote in the interests and worries of of Jewish people is going to wait a hell of a long time. So other than Barnet and also the press switch wards of Berry, which I realise I don't know if they're even up under the Thirds model there, are really the only places you would expect Labour to struggle as a result of that.
1: Ilford North's got a big Jewish population, but did actually return West Streeting with, with an increased majority. Well, this thing is support of the community.
2: Actually, in 2017, Labour did astonishingly well in majority Jewish wards. Dio you know, Diane Abbott won every ward in Stoke Newington, uh, including uh, this bit of Stamford Hill where the Orthodox community is, and um, Fabian Hamilton won every award Uh, Ivan Lewis increased his majority uh, where Streeting uh, now has a comically large majority now part part of the truth is ultimately like because it is a small community that has historically been vulnerable it is a very politically aware and engaged community I mean to give you an idea of that, last time I went to visit my great-aunt, one of the people there asked, when I found out that I covered politics, asked if I knew Sarah Sackman, then the, the very impressive candidate in Finchley and Golders Green. So I feel that your your odds of, of a good candidate bailing you out with your National Party problems are probably higher with the Jewish community than any other, but nonetheless they are having to do an awful lot of bailing out. So I think Barnett is probably a bridge too far for them, even though it is so easy on paper um but yeah that would be a good night for Labour would be to do that for the uh, Lib Dems okay
1: I was going to ask we should complete the set this there are some Lib Dems who listen to this podcast and they're you know they're, they're nice people
2: you know they're very they're adorable what 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 are we what are they hoping for so the Lib Dems I think are in many ways the most interesting one because one of the things that Tim Farron in my view rightly identified was that The coalition meant that the type of person who the Lib Dems are targeting has forever changed. They they cannot go back to being that kind of like conscience of the Labour Party, not least because the conscience of the Labour Party now seems to be running the Labour Party, going, oh, isn't it beastly that the Labour Party hasn't done enough for unicorn orphans? Because after the coalition, that type of voter is just not buying what they're selling, and also it's not a sustainable. There's no path to a sustainable core vote uh, with that approach. And he basically decided that Europe was going to be the central offer to the the new voters they were going to target. Because he did that, and because their party is so democratic, a bunch of new people who were infused by that policy uh, have joined. That means that the policy is basically non-negotiable for the leadership. They they cannot pass a conference motion uh, freeing themselves
0: from it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: So why are those EU citizens in, in places like Westminster who want to give the government a kick in, why are they not, let's be honest, they're not likely to vote Lib Dem in vast numbers, well, are they?
2: partly because they understand first-past-the-post, right? They, they they know that Labour is the, is the button to press to kick those people. So basically, I, I think what the Lib Dems would be a good night for the Lib Dems is oddly one in which they start to do better in... Places with high numbers of remainers, not necessarily even just winning, but they should really be starting to place in the most uh, high remain borough uh, parts of Lambeth and Hackney, for example. Again, strong not, second, yes, yeah, yeah, holding on to the the seats they stay retain in in in, in Hackney, uh, but placing elsewhere um, in. Manchester for example they really ought to gain all of the Withington wards as opposed to just one at the moment they have one councillor out of 94 and in some ways he is the he is the official opposition on Manchester City Council isn't he he's
1: literally the only non-Labour councillor
2: in some ways I think the Lib Dem should weirdly be willing to trade some losses for having a vote which makes slightly more sense Because I just think if they are going to have a long-term viability, it's going to be on a party which is for a specific thing, not as a kind of hoover of non-specific grievances, because you can't have sustainable growth that way. The other interesting thing to watch about the Lib Dems is in Richmond, they are continuing their electoral pact with the Greens. Now, I like the idea of electoral pacts in theory. In practice, my suspicion is that one party always comes off worse because basically voters aren't blocks to be moved around as, as political parties would wish. So in basically there are some wards where the Lib Dems are standing two councillors and the Greens are standing one. And the idea is that these three councillors will beat the three Conservatives. Now, I would like to be wrong, but my instinct is this will not happen. Then people will not split ticket in an effective way because mm. they mostly just don't. Well, there's also, I mean, there
1: must be a communications problem, right? Like. Even the people likely to turn up for local elections do not necessarily sort of like follow the communications beforehand. They probably won't be aware of this pact and realise this is what you're supposed to do, right?
2: Well, I mean, so, yeah, this is so a good example of this is in, in Oxford West and Oxford East in the 1987 election. There was a localised tactical voting campaign against tuition fees because the Conservative minister in Oxford West yes, when they were talking about introducing them, was the higher education minister. And basically what happened was is a bunch of students in the studenty part of East who had were organising the campaign did vote tactically and Labour won in 1987. This tactical voting just was nowhere near as effective in Oxford West and the Lib Dems did not win that seat until 1997.
1: Why, why was it less effective without the student population, you think?
2: I think basically because the main way that the tactical voting worked was through high high information voters and the thing about high information voters is your ideal high information is a graduate or about to be graduate with not with a lot of time on their hands to follow politics yeah a student right so you would kind of expect that to be this now now it, it may be slightly different because green voters already have some experience of voting tactically in Richmond to stop the conservatives and voting for the Lib Dems my question is, is this maybe the election which reveals that the Greens don't actually get very much out of it at the end? Um, not least because a lot of people who are considering voting Tory, but might vote Lib Dem because they're angry about the European Union, if they see there are only two Lib Dems, I reckon you'll probably see a lot of I'll vote for the two Lib Dems and then if there's a woman mm. Tory candidate or if there's a generic stop Brexit candidate or a, or they'll just exhaust they won't use all three of their votes. I could be wrong, but I think Richmond is fascinating to watch for that Richmond reason. Richmond will be a good borough to watch.
1: One, uh, we're, we're, we're almost out of time, but one thing I want to cover very quickly is, you know, this time last year, this this podcast, which you, you, you appeared on many episodes, to talk about the metro mayor elections. Mm-hmm. We do have a metro mayor election this year. For the first time, we're going to see a, a mayor of the Sheffield city region. There's not really much suspense in that one, is there? We kind of we can we we know who that's going to be. It's Dan Jarvis, right?
2: I mean, yeah. we should never take the voters for granted,
1: but we can. That said, we can. But we can take, take the voters f- for granted. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Um, he he will win. There was a, a fun kind of intra-labor bun fight in the leadership, which has a majority on the NEC. Basically, tried to get Dan Jarvis to step down in order to try and get a preferred candidate in, which I mean, I kind of understand the rationale, apart from the fact that local Labour parties don't like it when they're obviously being told to do something. So I don't think it would have worked even if Dan Jarvis had been willing to play ball. He wasn't. He wants to remain as an MP because the Sheffield team. Am I right in saying they have no powers and no budget, or is it that they have like a power and like it's five quid?
1: Incredibly weak. There was a there's, there's like this hilarious ongoing row about what what geography to do devolution in Yorkshire. So at one point, the Sheffield city region was going to be the four old boroughs of South Yorkshire, which is Sheffield, Rotherham, Barnsley, and what's the fourth? Doncaster? Doncaster, thank you. Plus three other boroughs taken from either uh, Derbyshire or Nottinghamshire, which are in kind of the Sheffield commuter zone. That didn't really work because Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire county councils suddenly realised they were going to be losing quite a lot of money, and also that was around the time the, the you know the the one Yorkshire campaign for you know you, any devolution has to be to Yorkshire rather than to subsections of it was kicking off, and and also like various awful rural Tories up there were coming kind of a pain in the arse. But yes, yeah, so anyway, there was a big row about geography. At one point, it was just going to be Sheffield and Rotherham. Or well, like only Sheffield and Rotherham were really committed to this because Doncaster and Barnsley said, Oh, we're gonna go with a whole with the one Yorkshire thing. Then the government said, No, screw you, it's still gonna there's already legislation for this, so we're gonna create this mayoralty. But nobody's really feeling very enthusiastic about it. It doesn't seem to have any powers or budget to speak of and as I understand it, Jarvis wants to remain an MP in large part so he can campaign to to expand the geography to basically be the whole of Yorkshire. I think that's the Yeah,
2: basically he wants to expand both its geographic scope and its powers. Good luck with that. So the fascinating thing is, yeah, and obviously no discussion of Metro would be complete without a period of, of silence for Sue Jeffery's side.
1: She was uh, so great. You know, You know, I went up and interviewed her for, for an yeah, episode of uh, this. Was, she was really amazing. I, really, I came away, like, adoring her even more than I did when she was just out. Our, our meme.
2: I keep meaning to do that um, Marvel Infinity War, you yeah, know, is the most ambitious crossover in history meme.
1: Oh, someone already did that on um, my meme page. Yeah, oh, yeah that okay, already well, happened.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, well. Fine. So one of the, you yeah, know, although I, I don't think he's as good as, as, uh, as Sue Jeffries uh, would have been, Ben Houghton has been uh, he's, unexpectedly... He's not bad, is he? Yeah, he has
1: Like, he is actually sort of thinking about stuff now. I mean, he did just campaign through trolling, but I think that was, like, a deliberate profile-raising strategy because he didn't expect to win.
2: But he is, like, kind of taking it... If it makes sense, he's kind of... In some ways, he has done the thing that some people said in 2008 Boris Johnson would do, which is, like... Grow into the role. Yeah, run anyway. on the, like, lolol, lol, I'll bring the Rootmaster back. But then he would hopefully go, no, guys, I'm not going to actually shell out millions and millions of pounds on a new master. that would be stupid. Um, He has actually uh, done a lot of that. Now, the interesting question I have in terms of the direction of devolution, we know that Theresa May is not into it, but there are two Conservative mayors, three in the weird East Anglia one as well, but there are two in particular, Andy Street and Ben Houghton, who are doing quite interesting things who may, one assume start to ask for more powers. There
1: are four Conservative mayors. You've got Tim Bowles in the west of England, as people are prone to do.
2: There are four Conservative mayors. Oh, so the east of England one is
1: religious Cambridgeshire and Peterborough.
2: I mean, it's not my fault that literally these bar, these, um, these metro mayor areas are just weird arbitrary things of whatever custom. Don't get angry with the facts, Stephen.
1: I'm just telling you the facts.
2: Okay, fine. Four, five, eight, six, nine. The point is, there are some conservative mayors. Two of them are doing quite well. They may want more powers. This may encourage the government to be more engaged Mm -hmm. with devolution than you think, because my assumption. Is although I can easily see how to re—I mean, Theresa May I think is partisan enough to just do a bill being like expands the powers of the metro mayor. Yeah, she would of, totally do that. One, sure. There are however enough conservatives.
1: Actually, uh, the, the the argument I think that could sway her against that is like, what if we lose next time? I think that's probably the one thing right. that might
2: put her off. But, anyway, sorry. but I think that the 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 interesting variable there as well is. I think it's the kind of thing where if a bill is introduced to increase the powers of some Metro mayors, there are enough Conservatives who genuinely care about devolution as an agenda, then it probably does end up being amended to uh, more powers for, for everyone. Also,
1: it's worth noting that in last autumn's budget, there was there were goodies for all the Metro mayors, regardless of which party holds the the seat at the moment. Yeah. So.
2: Um, so I guess I'll come back afterwards to laugh at all of the things we got wrong and to be uh devastated that i'm trying to work out what the result could make me most upset would be um oh actually the one thing we didn't discuss in terms of mayors is what does watford have that nowhere else in the country does a liberal democrat mayor okay you getting that right was not very satisfying to me but yes um <laughs> i did
1: literally look up the, the what what other what other uh councils had mayoral elections earlier so yeah i'd so there's two types of mayors, well, three if you count Lord mayors. But metro mayors are kind of the head of combined authorities of multiple councils. But there's also the elected head of individual councils. So like, the mayor of Hackney, Philip Glanville, is also running for re-election in the next few weeks and will definitely win because it's bloody Hackney. Of course, Labour is going to retain that seat. But he's just the head of the council rather than it being a sort of um executive just the head cabinet
2: council in the world. But okay. No.
1: But yeah, now looking looking at the list of mayoralties that are up. With the exception of Watford, I think I'm right in saying they're all quite boring ones, where it's just, yeah, obviously Labour have got this. Is that
2: is that fair? Yes. Uh, well, no. So Tower Hamlets uh, has... the So Tower Hamlets first is split. Uh, Rabina Khan is running again as maybe, I want to say, Tower Hamlets now, or Tower Hamlets for Britain, or... Tower Hamlets second, is that... Yeah, but... So, you know, Tower Hamlets could spring a surprise, but Watford is the most interesting one because the Lib Dems are very strong locally in Watford. Uh, They are not so much anymore in a general election, and their very popular incumbent, Dorothy Thornhill, is stepping down. As you will know, and our Lib Dem listeners will, will, will know from bitter experience, that party tends to do badly when an incumbent steps down because they, they have a big they are more reliant on um, on the on the vote of the incumbent than they are of the party brand, which is not the case for the other parties. I uh, you would still think that the Lib Dems could hold on there, but you know, if you were Labour you'd fancy your chances there mm. too. So I think that's the, the fun one.
1: Watford at Westminster, I think I'm right in saying, was at one point the only genuine freeway marginal in the country, wasn't it?
2: Yes, but sadly, uh, three ways uh, in Westminster, as in everywhere else, have fallen out of fashion, and so it's now really only a two-way.
1: Okay, well, if you do happen to find Professor John Curtis in your kitchen going through your cupboards, then please contact the relevant authorities.